0: There are lots of lousy businesses and there's lots of wonderful businesses
1: it's the art and science of money my job has been to try and figure out which is which it's hi-fi radio from the global news radio studios in toronto with hi-fi portfolio managers here's wolfgang klein and jack Hartle.
2: well it is indeed mother's day weekend my friends so we must wish mommy a happy birthday and tell mommy that we love her whether she is with us or not We always love mummy. And yes, so we're going to focus the show on women. We're going to focus the show on Mother's Day. Uh, To kick the show off, we have Alana Harvey in studio. She's a co-founder of uh, Flip It, Inc., helping the world get unplugged and getting back to reality, just like radio, back to reality, right? Then we're going to talk about wine. I love wine. I got my sommelier in-house from Taroni's, Dominic Trigalia. He's going to talk about the world of, shall I say, value investing, uh, store of value, uh, comic books, records, why not wine? Big business, I'm into it, we're going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to end the show, of course, talking with women uh, re-entering the workforce Uh, after, of course, uh, staying at home and helping to rear some kids, get back into the workforce, the challenges that they face. And it's all about equality, and uh, companies who uh, offer equality tend to be better-performing companies. We're going to talk about that with Bonnie Kim and Linda Torrey. But uh, without further ado, let's speak with our first guest, Elena Harvey. You are the co-founder of Flipped Inc. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Flipped Inc. first of all?
3: So Flipped is a digital wellness company that's re-engineering healthy screen habits by nudging our users away from using their phones when they should be paying attention to other things that matter more to them, like if they need to study, focus, spend time with friends, quality time with their families, Um, It's a really hot topic these days, talking about digital wellness and how much time we spend on our screens. So our platform is solving just that problem.
2: Well, okay, I have a problem, and the Mm -hmm. problem is at home. It's with my uh, middle child. The middle child seems to be the, well, forgotten child at times, but we love Elliot. Uh, And he (laughs) plays way too much Fortnite.
3: Okay. Uh, Fortnite
2: is a video game uh, produced by Tencent. It is the hottest video game on the board. Uh, kids interact, so they claim, but they do so from their bedrooms. They put on headsets, as you have on right now. They yell and scream at each other and tell them to get out of the way. They tell them going to kill them. They go mad. My son is going mad playing this game. I need your help. How do we bring him back to reality? Because the word that I picked up and doing some research on your uh, interview here is something to do with resonance. Uh, Basically, the the chemical reaction that occurs in the body when we interact with people uh, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, as you and I are doing right now, Elena. And it it obviously causes a positive impact. We don't get that when we are digitally connected, apparently. So I think your work is uh, deep and wide, and you have a lot to do, but I think you're certainly on the right track. So what inspired you to uh, get into this game, and uh, where is it going to take you, do you believe?
3: So... The whole flipped journey began, actually, uh, not unlike what it sounds like you're experiencing. So, my co-founder, um, he's about ten years older than his younger brother, and so he he felt, you know, it was his responsibility to give him his first smartphone when he turned 13 years old. And Christian, like any parent, has experienced in this technology age, was really taken aback by how much his behavior had changed in such a short. Yes. Uh, period of time just how dramatic it was
2: hair kind of messy doesn't bathe <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I look there's a madness in their eye when you when you, when you unplug right. them yes yelling screaming yes right like they are like it's like joking. a regular addict
3: or it's addiction it is yeah yeah and and christian at the time he was running a previous uh, tech startup that ended up you know failing and he learned a lot of uh, he he gained a lot from that experience but what he what he decided was let's let's start something around solving this problem because this seems to be a much bigger problem
2: we're in studio with Alina Harvey she's a co-founder of a company called Flipped Inc Uh, it's Flipped correct yeah Flipped Inc basically helping the world get back to reality unplugged look someone in the eye as opposed to looking at your phone all the time Uh, fantastic uh, piece you wrote here for uh, is it blog magazine Um, the blog uh, your, your phone is likely the reason for these bad habits. Oh, yeah. uh, it's a great piece, but number one <laughs> reason for your phone being bad habit, you're a constant flake. That's pretty funny. God. So pe- people seem to use their phones as a means for making excuses.
3: Definitely. Um, we've all experienced that where just because we are able to tell someone we're going to be running late, we do. And I think that that's a really bad example of how technology uh, facilitates these types of behaviors where we, we don't show up for things on time simply because we can tell someone we're going to be late. Um, we flake last minute because it's just so easy to do that, and I've certainly experienced that in 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 my own world with with uh, groups of people I've known over time. And I think I think it's just this loss of etiquette because technology replaces a lot of that.
2: And again, Jack and I own a lot of Fang stocks. We own Apple. We own Google. We own. Oh, boy, we own a Vago, which is a good mm-hmm. chip stock, Broadcom, that is. Um, so we certainly want people to remain digitally We own Apple. Apple. We own Apple. Absolutely. Uh, so we're, we, we we, we we are, I guess, adding some fuel to the fire, but at some point <laughs> we all learn to turn this thing off. But your point number two here about um, the, the, the the problems with being so connected with your cell phones is you don't respect people as much as you should. Yeah. What do you mean by that?
3: I think that what, what the problem is is that you don't respect the people that might be right in front of you and, and wanting your time and your attention because they're right there and that is actually something that's happening is where when someone in front of you starts using their phone you start feeling like you need to use your phone and then it becomes this cycle and, and I, <laughs> well the scarier part is that that's actually what's happening between uh, parents and kids a lot and that's that's what's driving more kids to feel like they need to be connected all the time because they're seeing their parents always connected and so it's just this behavior that, that keeps reinforcing itself.
2: Indeed it is. Well it's Mother's Day weekend so please if nothing else have dinner with mummy on Sunday, you owe it to her. <laughs> at least Saturday today as well would be nice, wouldn't it? Yes, it would be dinner at the table. Look, we're going to pay some bills around here. Get right back to Elena Harvey, co-founder of Flipped Inc., helping you get unplugged for Mother's Day weekend on Hi-Fi Radio.
1: Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Mother,
3: do you think they'll drop the bomb? But do
2: you think they'll like this song? Such a beautiful song it is, my friends. Good morning. Welcome back. Hi-Fi Radio 640 in Toronto. We have Alana Harvey, co-founder of Flipped Inc. She's also the chief marketing officer for the company. So let's get back to uh, this article that you wrote. wrote, uh, uh, Technology, digitization, being connected wherever you are makes us feel empowered. It makes us feel like we're working when we're not working, uh, working on the weekend, working when you're on vacation, always checking in. Uh, but according to you, your, your work, you say you actually get less done. Uh, t- tell me about that.
3: So it's it's the myth of multitasking. And so when we're always connected and we're always pinged to do this and then that and then back to this and then now on to something else, we feel like we're getting more done. But in reality, you're typically performing much uh, less effectively on each task because you're you're not multitasking. You're switching tasks, and it takes a lot more time to get back into the flow that's necessary.
2: See, Jack, you you really do unplug on the weekends. I know you do, and I, I'm I'm good with that. Like, I say I, I send you messages, and you don't really respond, which is yep. totally cool. Uh, but but no, I try but, to. But especially
0: when I go up north, to go up to the cottage, get out in nature, and you know, uh, go out with the family. That's great. Um, you know, that's family yeah, getting, getting out so.
2: to nature and chopping down a bunch of trees and cutting. You know, uh, the, mar- the, 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 the markets are closed. <laughs> or, the markets are closed
0: on the weekend for the most part. Check them at six o'clock. On on the you know sunday night but other than that so, so no but my, my
2: compliment to you is is then that you're more focused according to alana's work on your family you are being truly focused on your family mm-hmm. for sure try I, to myself, be. i'm a bit of a misfit i guess mm-hmm. but it's okay um now i've seen this one all the time you use your phone as a social crutch i love that a yeah. bunch of people get into an elevator <laughs> and they look at their phone, and of course now we have the elevator news up, up above our heads. So we have two things that we can yeah. uh, distract ourselves with while we're riding 28 floors to the sky. Right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. I don't know what it says about society when people do that. Um, what, do, what do you think it says about society?
3: Well, I think I think the scariest. Uh, times when we're seeing that happen is in classes and with students. And so um, we speak with university professors a lot And uh, because that's that's part of what our platform does, is that we're helping solve distractions and phones being a crutch in the classroom as well. Part of going to school is this social interaction, this very natural human thing that we all do, which is communicate with each other.
2: Look, I know Jack and I, we certainly could do much more of our jobs from home if we wish to. But I think we both prefer to come downtown, connect with people, connect with our comrades and our colleagues. Uh, Face-to-face is... Wish them a good day. Ask them about their lives. Yeah, exactly. uh, And then share with them ideas, business ideas. Yeah, Um, but business is going the other way, though,
0: right? Our you know business manager, real estate manager at Canacord, is saying they you know they want more of the people working from home. They want them working remotely. I mean, that's a good thing, I think, maybe for the environment. You don't have the carbon footprint of moving back and forth. Mm -hmm. But is it good for us as people? Right. Well, yeah.
2: Such are we more or less productive that way?
3: Yeah, it's a big question. People, I, 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 work in a co-working space with a few other companies, and this is this is something that I've heard a couple struggle with: is that they do have employees that want to work from home, that it's their preferred method of product or or, or their preferred way of being most productive, but then I, have them, I hear the, the managers and the people running the company saying, but what about everyone else's productivity because they feel inspired when there are more people working around them. Um, and I feel like that is exactly the same as a classroom. If you have a class of, full of absent, there are no students in it, are the students that actually go to class, are they going to feel good about being there? I would
0: say, that The class is a really good example because yeah. you learn so much better when you're in a your class with a group of people as opposed to, you know, if you do a, an online course and you're, you know, doing it remotely, you certainly don't get the same benefit as you do in a class with exactly. a professor up front, where you have questions and answers and uh, interaction between the students.
2: Yeah. Well, a, a story here by Hillary Cash the online social experience and limbic resonance. That was the word I want, or the phrase I want to come up with limbic mm-hmm. resonance. And that, that's just basically about the, the connection that we have that we're currently feeling, you and I and Jack, right now, uh, Alana, uh, by being together in the studio. Yeah. Uh, we have a, there's a limbic resonance. We can feel each other. But uh, Online, if you were tele, this interview by telephone wouldn't have the same feel to it. It Really, really wouldn't. It'd still be good. It just wouldn't be as good. Uh, Let's let's close it off then in terms of uh, our children, Um, because Mama has babies, and basically half of mothers uh, today have children living with them at home, and. For for a mother to have to battle with her children to do homework is not fun. How can we help kids become more productive in terms of uh, study habits and using their time better and putting the little device down? Give 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 them some help.
3: Well, the very first thing that I would say is or is for them to try flipped because it actually is really helping kids, particularly uh, young people who struggle to pay attention when the when they need to focus. Um, flipped is that tool that we're seeing you know hundreds of thousands of students and young people come to So is it an app? Basis. Yes. It's an
2: app. So, yep. so how would I, if it's F-L-I-P-D. Yep. FLIPD flipped.
3: Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, we're super Google friendly, so just type FLIPD into your search engine and you'll find it. And, and so what us. what
2: will the app have you do?
3: So the, the the difference about flipped compared to someone nagging you to get off your phone is that it's completely self-regulated. If you want to spend time away from distractions, you turn on flipped, and flipped basically locks you out of everything that's distracting for a certain time. Um, and so that's really helpful for kids that don't want to get distracted by Instagram and social media and just want to get stuff done. It's Like a chastity
2: belt for <laughs> your, your your digital digital life.
3: But the best huh. thing about it is that they it, it's it's the it's people driving their own use, so they don't feel so you, have the, you have the key right. You don't feel like like you're being forced away from it. Um, and that that's, I think, where the conversation oh. needs to go is that kids in particular with what we're seeing with our platform is that they're the ones who actually want to find time to disconnect. And so instead of, hey, get off your phone now because I want you to get off your phone like, like some parents might do, it should be, did you spend some time away from your technology this week and what, what did you do instead?
2: So, so Jack uh, came into the office this morning. Jack's a big hockey guy, used to play for the Peterborough Peets, a uh, big wig, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, in hockey. And <laughs> he said, Wolf, I got a problem. My son is reading books, he's a bookworm, not an athlete.
3: I don't, I don't know. Well,
2: I said, Jack, that's a good thing, man. That's a good thing. For he, a five-year-old, I don't know. Yes, it's a good thing. <laughs> oh, man. Right that's, that's I know, that's Jack. You don't know what. Yeah, my friend. He's not
3: reaching for the iPad. He's like, oh, no. No, I no, no. Want no, he wants to reach for the no he's stick. going for the iPad.
2: He's and going. A oh, book. my gosh. Yeah. And a kidding. Book. <laughs> kidding. That's good stuff, Jack. Good stuff. Alana <laughs> uh, uh, Harvey, co-founder of Flipped Inc. I wish you great success with your business. Uh, I think you're on to something, and I think you can do mothers and fathers in this world a whole lot of good so thank you for joining us on Hi-Fi Radio thanks coming up next we are going to talk about a topic I love so much red red wine with Dominic Dragalia of Taroni's my favorite restaurant he is a licensed sommelier Uh, if you're into wine Stay
1: tuned. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
2: What a great song. Hi-Fi Radio, 640 in Toronto, Global News Radio. Wolfgang Klein, your host. Jack Hartle, your co-host. And it is Mother's Day tomorrow, folks. Spend a lot of money on Mother. Jack, uh, you, you checked the stats. Uh, in Canada, pop quiz. How much do we spend on Mother's and Mother's Day?
0: Well, I think that was globally. I don't think that was just in Canada. I think it was like $14 billion,
2: though. $14 billion globally. Yeah. Wine, chocolates, Dinners, flowers. Dinners, yes. Simple. Time. Sure. Just time with mother, I think, is, is the most. Uh valuable gift uh, we can give mom um. uh but we do have dominic Trigellian. um you are a sommelier my friend you're you're sommelier and you're my friend uh you're you're with tronies and uh kevin Nona is the distribution company that tronies uh also is, is a partner in shall i say uh so thank you for coming on the show thanks for having me uh wine is a great topic the, the reason i brought you in of course this is a business show it's high fire radio dominic and um Clients, of course, when they make money, they want to save it, and they also don't want to keep in the bank. They will buy houses with it and condos, and of course, in their RSPs, they'll buy stocks and bonds and mutual funds and hedge funds. But uh, every now and then, you get people who say, you know something, I have excess money beyond. I have lots of real estate. I have lots of stock, money in the bank, and I still have more money coming in. Uh, Or I'm just interested in other things other than the conventional and that's when you get into items of store of value. I've had one client who uh, will actually travel into Asia to, to collect rubies. Um, we may get him on the show one day. I'm really hoping we will. Uh, I know DJ Lazy Ray. Uh, his brother is into collecting T-shirts, uh, vin- yeah. v- vintage clothing. Uh, you know, vinyl. Of course, vinyl collections have been known to uh, rare a pretty penny. Comic book collections. Uh, in fact, I picked out a stat. What a Superman 1934 comic book uh, record sale price, my good friend. That was original purchase price, ten cents. 3.2 million dollars. Wow. 3.2 million bucks. Action Comics, 1938, was the issue price, uh, original, and first appearance of Superman. 3.2 Milski. If you didn't have that one, maybe you had Detective Comics. uh, Number two on the list, May 1939, $2.1 million. Uh, When it comes to vinyl, the one that caught my attention was, I thought for sure it would be an Elvis record or a Beatle record. The the most valuable, collectible piece of vinyl music in history? Wu-Tang album. Wow. Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang I, well, it's, it's, I, a, it's a rare album That's well, why, uh, right? Apparently, <laughs> So I had to go to Tronies to find out DJ Lazy Ray told me in fact Yeah Wu-Tang because there was one pressing Of one copy uh, and apparently, uh, the 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 founder and principal in in Valiant, uh, Martin Shkreli, uh, who raised the price of AIDS drugs by some 500 percent or 5,000 uh, percent, and had uh, the Clintons fuming about this price gouging, <laughs> um, uh, he he bought the record as a store of value. I think apparently it was later taken away from him, uh, according to Ray. I'm not sure if that story <laughs> is true or not. But we're got 3.2 million bucks. Uh, someone dies of course the value of the right also goes up so anyway let's talk about the world of wine do you think you can make any money um buying some rare vintages storing the stuff waking up 10 15 years and seeing an appreciation in price
4: in 10 15 years yes uh if you're looking at a short term no short term no no and uh you have to remember there's not uh, a lot of wines don't hold their value uh it's a only a, a handful of wines that will, mm-hmm. and you got to see buy those. Um,
2: the, the ones that will hold their value, That
4: will hold their value, yes,
2: yeah. Because the thing about uh, investing in collectibles, the fine art of investing in collectibles, uh, number one, the problem of, of course, how do you value the stuff? Uh, you know, with stocks, stocks trade every day, uh, they they move by what used to be eights and sixteenths, they now move by pennies, basically. Uh, and there's you know. Plentiful buyers and sellers, uh, which Jack calls price discovery phase, is taking place as to what these assets are worth. Uh, real estate, you know, it has enough liquidity. Your home, your neighbor's home would have sold within the last couple of years or someone on the street would have sold in the last couple of years. But when you're looking at a 1811 a Chateau de Quem for $117,000, uh, I don't know if that Chateau is worth 117000 buck. Well,
0: Dominic makes a really good point, though, and, uh, and with his first comment there, basically saying that you can't buy these things for a short-term flip and a big gain. You can't do that with a house you shouldn't expect to do that with a stock um you should expect you know buy a good quality stock buy a good quality house in a good location similar similar yeah. with your wines mm-hmm. good vintage uh, out of a good area good region and over time it
2: will appreciate as long as it doesn't turn into vinegar but well, well, let's well, talk about that but this 1811 a chateau to come at 170 <laughs> would you drink is that drinkable absolutely Sweet hey, wines on. will that, that there's is dr-
4: enough there's enough acidity who, the sugar that? and alcohol in those wines that they will be drinking. So who who most do you like? invite over for a glass of wine? Uh, oh, it, d- it depends thousand. on
0: who. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I, I would that, just keep you drink, storing you it. You yeah, can yeah. Drink that, that wine. would drink well. Is that properly I would, stored.
4: Yes. Good golly. Mm-hmm, and, and
0: and how much longer will it last for?
4: Uh not too much longer. <laughs>
2: But here's another one: a, 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 a uh, Romani conti 1945, for 123,000. I'm sure that's U.S. dollars as well. uh What do you think of that? Public? Those are well sought out. That they're in demand. In
4: demand. People oh, lining yeah. up to oh, buy yeah, this. And stuff. they're still like, I mean, they keep saying that uh you know the prices will drop, not necessarily. So, so they Don, keep going are,
0: are these in demand for consumption, or are they in demand a because people are both saying, both, you know what, I don't want to buy it now and then? Fifteen years, it's going to still appreciate a bit 10% of percent a year.
4: There's a lot of prestige in wine, so you know your friends come over. Oh, look what I have! So there's there's a lot of that. Yeah, you have the
2: number. You have the number eight. The Chateau Lafite is it, uh, vintage 1787. Of mm. course, my friend, for 156 thousand mm-hmm.
4: dollars. Drinkable? I'm not sure. Seventeen. 17- uh, okay,
2: so yeah, two hundred years. We're pushing yeah, it. Yeah, we're pushing. But hundred year old wines can actually still hold. Yes. Incredible. Sugar I, sugar content, very, very sure, important. Uh,
4: the sweet wines, definitely. I th- I think so, anyway. Um, in terms of red wine, no. And if you're buying things like that, you aren't buying them to drink. I mean, it would be interesting to drink something that old, but you will be holding on to it and selling it to...
2: Well, look, uh, Dominic, is Mother's Day, so you're going to have to help us find a few Mother's Day <laughs> gifts here. Uh, we're going to pay some bills around here and get right back to uh, Dominic Trigalia, uh from Toronto. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, Join us on Hi-Fi Radio this Mother's Day weekend. Stay tuned, folks. And we're going uh, well, to get set to get liquored up for tomorrow, I guess, aren't we? Right after this. Money.
1: Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
2: Yes, indeed. Miss you, mummy. I miss you. Three and a half years. Sad. Yes, Mother's Day indeed. If she's around, love her, hug her, kiss her. We have uh, Dominic Tregali in the uh, house. He is with Taroni's. He is a sommelier, a licensed sommelier. I just drink this stuff myself, eh? (laughs) So uh, there is a Cabernet Sauvignon out of California. It's called the Screaming Eagle. Uh, it seems yes. to be quite the brand, Dominic. Tell me about it.
4: Yes. Uh, just your cult California cab. I know uh, on Saturday they're going to release the 2014 vintage in Vancouver only in one store at $3,200 a bottle.
2: Uh, sorry, what year is it? 2014. 2014. Yes. So basically right off the vine. Right off, yeah. A few months in the uh, mm-hmm. barrels and off to market for $3,200 a barrel. So, yeah. Wow. I wonder if Jagger would buy a case of that. Hey. Eh?
4: Probably already has. Probably has, eh?
2: (laughs) Wow, that's called the Screaming Eagle. Uh, Why has California been able to uh, challenge the likes of France uh, with with its with its wines?
4: A good product, uh, also just a cult following. Uh, You know, since this nineteen seventy six tasting, they just ballooned. Great marketers. I've been there. It's a beautiful place
2: because cuz here i have a the, the number one on the list for top 10 most expensive bottles of wine in the world. Number one on the list is a californian wine, yep. uh, the screaming eagle cabernet from 1992 yep. at, at a mere 500,000 yeah. US dollars. Yeah, sure. that was
4: sold on auction.
2: Yeah. Uh wow, for one bottle. One bottle. And th- that, that 92 of course i i assume it would be as fresh as it can be.
4: Fresh. Yeah, 92 is still uh drinking very well. Like you can still get many years out of something like that.
2: Yeah. So so let's talk about uh, for the speculative Uh, uh, connoisseur of the grape the the speculative individual who says you know something good bottle of wine I like it I'm going to buy a couple extra cases I'm going to store it for 15 years I know that's not so easy because if you buy the wrong stuff, it'll spoil. So it all starts, Dominic, with the type of grape you are purchasing in, in terms of your wine, correct? Yeah. Some grapes hold up better than others. Yeah. Which are the grapes, if you want to... Well, you Cabernet,
4: find- Nebbiolo, those type of wines. And it's also producer. Like, I mean, uh, you go back to the first gross. Uh, you have five wines since 1855. So you know that those are always going to hold up well. Um, and in terms, uh, Barolos, uh, those type of grape varieties will always hold up. And the way they're made, they're okay. They're, you know, they they have to shed their baby fat. We'll say.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Uh, let's talk a little about the LCBO. Uh, again, mm-hmm. you know, hi-fi radio in Toronto and in the, in the province of Ontario. Uh, every uh, sip of Wee vino that we all consume as, has been touched by the LCBO. Yeah. The LCBO sells some five point six billion dollars of. Uh, wine and spirits and and specialty beers. And uh, as a result of their markups, they're able to hand back to the province north of $2 billion a year. Uh, it's a good business. Jack and I value that company. You know, if you put a 20 multiple, a PE, a price earnings ratio of 20 on that $2 billion, that gives you a $40 billion enterprise value. Jack then went on to say to me this morning, you know, something, at least they're setting up another good one, that's the marijuana industry. Because the LCBO is worth at least $40 billion. the marijuana industry probably half that at least. There's $20 billion. There's $60 billion worth of assets in this province well, there's that, your, that, could, that could be sold, right, to private enterprise, and then that money could be used to repay debt and the debt of the province jack what do you put so but, but then you
0: but then you lose that cash flow to service the debt so there's a bit of a put and take there whether or not you want to do it but i think the ontario government right now is clipping at something like uh, $2, three, two billion dollars a year no i know what i'm saying i think that they have at 312 billion dollars outstanding debt right now in ontario 312 which is yeah. you know yeah, at, but- at low interest rates it's certainly um serviceable but as interest rates start to rise that uh, that that certainly uh uh, it carries a lot more weight on the uh, burden as a uh, on the the people of Ontario.
2: Yeah, so but uh, I I know your you, your company gets a little frustrated with the LCBO cuz cuz what happens when you go back to Italy, northern Italy, Piedmont, where I like my my Nebbiolo grapes from. I love mm-hmm. my Nebbiolos from Piedmont, the province, right? Yeah. Uh, northern climate, uh, thinner skin, little lighter wine, mm-hmm. little cherry fruit forward, shall we say? Um, yeah, slightly yeah. chilled, beautiful. Plate of pasta, a little Parmesan, we're all happy. A little nap in the afternoon. Yes, and you have your second sleep. So. They call the second sleep in Spain. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so when you source a bottle back in Italy, 10 bucks, right? The, the producers don't want 10 bucks a bottle, all right? How many cases are you going to take, Dom? That all de-
4: all depends on, uh, I no, don't but, do but that. Ten, that aspect is not what, uh, oh. not what I do, but the, the numbers are, there's a lot. That you have Is to it consider. A hundred
2: percent, one hundred and fifty percent markup by the province. Um, by the time we buy it, ten dollars becomes twenty. Twenty becomes forty.
4: Yeah, I've had a lot of producers come in, and they they know what they sell, what they sell their product at, and then they come into other restaurants, not necessarily to Roni, yeah. uh, but other producers, and they can't believe how much. A restaurant would sell it.
2: Actually, the the LCBO, I believe it is the largest purveyor purchaser of wine in the world.
4: Yeah, there's uh there's the L C B O, there's the SAQ, there's also uh Tesco in, in um in England and also Costco in the US. Uh, so, who, who,
2: by the way, what did I just say the other day about Costco, Jack? What do they sell the most of in the world? I think it was just the largest liquor sales in the
0: in the US. You say, L- right? the liquor Largest liquor sales in the United I States believe, is Costco. Yeah. yeah, which is insane. <laughs> insane. I believe
2: wine <laughs> as
4: well. Like so yeah, they're yeah. they're they're really big into that. So
2: you know again, I gotta you know what we should do we should get the Mariano your, your partner who didn't really want to join yeah. you on the air little mm-hmm. chicken we're going to have to uh, you know fix him up because uh, he actually you was know, <laughs> a good friend of mine as well but uh, a, a little bike tour uh, through Europe eh try some wines uh
4: uh, tra- he was. He was there last That'd year. Be
2: wonderful. I heard of friends of mine who did that down the Rhine in Germany, uh, and and they would travel for fifty kilometers. They'd stop, and all this stuff was carried for them, so they made made life made easy. In fact, some of them even use e-bikes yeah. if they did not want to pedal up the few hills. Um, well,
4: he was know. there last year. He actually f- rode through Prosecco in that area there. So yeah. what a great Mother's mm-hmm. Day gift. Yeah. Hey?
2: Mm-hmm. take her to Italy. Take her down the Rhine. I think it'd be nice. It is Hi-Fi Radio, my good friends. Do you have any good uh, good wines in the market that we can uh, send back to mummy or some bubbly, some champagne ideas? Anything that's coming out that you, that you like? Uh, right, right
4: now, Sicily seems to be really, really hot. So anything from uh, Mount Etna? I Mount would, Etna? Yes.
2: The volcano? Yep. There was a volcano there. Yeah. <laughs> a little volcanic action here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the wolf man knows. <sighs> Maybe a little too much about wine, but <laughs> what can I say? It is Hi-Fi Radio. It's the weekend and uh, money, gifts for mummy. A little business talk, and every now and then a little music thrown in. Jack, of course, is in the studio helping me for the cause. Dominic Tregalia of uh, Taroni's is licensed sommelier. If you go to Troni's speak to Dominic. He'll pair some wine with your pasta. You may like it so much and end up buying a case. Coming up next, we're going to talk about women re-entering the workforce. We're going to speak with Bonnie Kim and Linda Torrey right after this.
1: Making money is the best. So how do you make more money?
2: Life would be sunny with plenty of
1: money. Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
2: Yes, you better treat her right. It's Mother's Day, boys and girls. Tomorrow, in fact, is a big special day, so treat your mummy right. And uh, children, be extra nice to your mummy because uh, you drive them nuts every now and then. Trust me, I have three of them. Uh, we are joined with uh, Bonnie Kim. Uh, Bonnie, uh, well, Bonnie, I've had your daughter on Hi-Fi Radio before, um, Samantha. And she's just a wonderful lady. And she said, My mom just returned to the workforce. Wolf, uh, you're with, Sc- with Scotia Bank, correct, Bonnie?
5: No, actually, I'm with CIBC.
2: You're CIBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing, kidding. <laughs> Tell that to your boss, right? Eh? Uh, well, there's six banks in Canada. They're very similar. I used to work for one of those big banks. So, anyways, you had CIBC. And uh, we are also joined with uh, Linda Torrey. She's a manager, a business development sales initiative for women in business. And uh, the. You know, um, g- gender diversity has been proven to be very, very effective. Uh, at the C-suite level, there's a shortage of women, and, but there's a cry for more women. Uh, so I think we're all getting the message of the importance of women uh, both at home so I and I say the and shareholders in the are getting the message
0: too, and I think they're demanding it from their boards because they, they see the benefits of having women on those boards.
2: Yeah, so, so Linda, let's start with you, if we may. Um, what are the challenges that, that women face when they, uh, of course, leave work to help raise a family uh, and then have to return to work?
6: Well, some of the challenges that they have are feeling confident in their skills. So one of the things that we do at Rotman, at the Back to Work program, is help people redefine who they are and determine where they want to go moving forward and give them some practical experience to help them in their job search so we keep them up we get them up to date on things like using linkedin and other social media things and package themselves and brand themselves and and
0: how long has this program been running at rotman for there
6: uh it's been running for eight years
0: In in that period of time, have you seen a lot of difference in the way the program's uh, been taught just with the technological change that's uh, happened in that uh, eight years?
6: Yeah, it definitely has been evolving. We have a combination of academic staff as well as um, clear leadership within the business community that come and participate. We also have great benefit from the sponsors who participate in the program as well. They don't just provide money, but they also come into the classroom and they talk to the people in the program about what the employment landscape looks like today. And they also give an opportunity for women to work on a specific project for their organization during the time that the program runs.
2: Incredible. Well, look, uh, there's 9.8 million mothers in Canada, uh, and basically half of them work. And in fact, the workforce now is roughly 50-50, but uh, pay equality still doesn't exist. Uh, So, so ladies, how are we... As, a, as as a society improving upon that factor. Uh, in Europe, it's much better much much closer gender de- gender equality shall I say uh, upwards of ninety five percent in some European countries, but big diversity still in North America, specifically I think in America.
5: Well, I think it has a lot to do with daycare accessibility too. so
0: yeah. Well, that's one of the big initiatives I think that the Ontario government has right now, especially with this upcoming election. And I think all the uh, the parties are seeing that as a, a bit of a gap that we have. And, you know, to get the mothers in the workforce and be able to do it in a timely manner, they certainly need to have some of that home care. Because we all know that, you know, mothers take on a lot of or more than their share of the burden with the, uh, you know, the daycare or uh, child care. Within the family.
2: So, so Bonnie, so what have you, like, how did you find re entering the workforce? Because you used to work in financial services. You you left for, what, how many years to to, to raise your family?
5: I, I left for almost 20
2: years. Wow, that's a long time.
5: And I do have to say, I remember when I was considering going back into the workforce, I did see the Rotman program. I did contact them, but they were surprised at how long I was out of the workforce. They said it was typically for people who are out of the workforce between like five to seven years, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so Bonnie, that is one of, the, I think, the big issues that uh, everyone ha- everyone potentially could have with uh, joining back into the workforce, and that's a big blank space in your resume. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you were looking for a job, uh, and you obviously finally landed one with CIBC, but how did you approach that uh, gap on your resume?
5: It wasn't so much as a gap. I mean, they can clearly see that it's been a very long time. I think yep. the um, it was more of a brain process. You start off by saying, like, um, at this point, 20 years later, you don't have to go back to the same profession. You have to start brand new and th- figure out where you, where you want to be and what you want to do. There were challenges, definitely, because um, sometimes with bigger organizations, they're very set in how they approach um, hiring somebody. They kept saying, you have to have a former employer provide you with a reference. And I said, <laughs> well, that was 20 years ago. I think the person's retired, if not. Um.
2: Yeah, or about your three kids exactly. you raised? Does that work?
5: Yes. And, and, and so forth, and they would refuse to have um, a reference from somebody who I had done uh, like a lot of projects with because I've done a lot of um, you know, volunteer work as well. I know that a lot of women who decide to go back to the workforce after a significant gap do tend to do something that's a business for self first.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, I didn't really want to go in that route because I wanted to actually have coworkers and really be immersed in an actual work environment.
2: Yeah, it's funny because we were just talking about that, about being uh, plugged versus unplugged. And when you're unplugged, you actually have to look people in the eye and stand close to them. Uh, and there is a massive, massive net benefit to it without question. Uh, please stay with us. We're going to pay some bills around here and get right back with uh, Bonnie Kim and Linda Torrey and just discuss uh, discuss the topic of women re-entering the workforce on this Mother's Day special on Hi-Fi Radio right after this.
1: Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
2: Yo, mister, I love it. That's cool. Thank you, ladies, for giving us that one. A little respect for Barney Kim and Linda Torrey and, of course, all the mothers out there on this Hi-Fi Radio Mother's Day special. Uh, Yes, you know, women do live longer than men. Life expectancy now for a woman in Canada is 83.6 years. Uh, Obviously, taking uh, 15 to 20 years out of the... period of time out of the workforce to raise a family... Could leave a major hole in an RSP. Um, obviously, you don't work, you don't get to contribute to an RSP, Bonnie. Um, so, th- tell me something in terms of your planning uh, for retirement. Do, do you view it the way typical Canadians would view I'm going to retire at 65, or do you feel that you have some catch up to do on the savings front? Uh, how, how do you approach that psychologically?
5: Um well I do still like to think that I have at least 15 more years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah for sure.
5: <laughs> but um I was fortunate. I we always did a spousal RSP which was always a 50-50 split with um whatever we were contributing to. So I had as as large a RSP um as my spouse did at the time.
2: Very, very good. Uh, Linda, how do you feel about the retirement planning? Uh, and especially women who have gone through a separation or divorce and have spent time rearing kids, so have the hole in the resume, have perhaps a hole in an RSP, uh, perhaps still have dependents at home. Like the stress level can be off the charts.
6: Well, and, and that's why it's so critical to return to work as soon as possible. Getting back to work is key to. In- in order to be able to have that income, so that you can contribute to all of those factors.
2: Hmm. Hey, tell me something. There's there's, a, there's another event going on in Ottawa. Um, a, a client of mine, uh, Jules, who's uh, been on the show before, she actually uh, slept on the streets of Toronto um, for Covenant House. Always chokes me up when I talk about these things. It really does. But uh, there's a mother doing her thing once again, sleeping on the streets of Toronto for uh, needy individuals. Um, but uh, so this W seven event, uh, what, what is that all about?
6: Um, well, it's it's a group of women from all over the world who are getting together in advance of the G summit that's happening this summer in, in Quebec. And uh, there was Melinda Gates was there and also Christian Lagarde has been there. And our executive director of our program, Beatrix Dart, who's head of the initiative for women in business here at Rotman, is there also participating in the conversation.
2: Donald Trump's wife, not there.
6: And so they're, part- they're, they're putting a plan together that can then be brought forward to, for all of the global leaders to discuss at the G7 Summit. And there's some fantastic conversations happening there.
2: What, what are the key topics?
6: Um, well, they're, they're talking about the advancement of women. They're, they're talking about childcare, um, childcare as some of it, but recognizing how we can move women forward in the workplace at senior levels and all levels of work as well.
2: Yeah, it's a C-suite that still seems to have a big, big void. But uh, the you know the, the 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 studies are compelling, very, very compelling in terms of the uh, uh, the, the the excess economic gain uh, from a company when they have women on the at the C-suite level. Uh, it's been proven. So uh, I think companies like Microsoft are taking a lead uh, in that direction. Uh, yeah, well, you
0: certainly have an advocate too with Justin Trudeau. You know, being uh, he's you know said to him or said to the public that he's a feminist himself so you you know he wants to obviously promote the you know women in work women uh in families and he wants to make sure that they have policies in place that uh, support those things
4: Mm
2: -hmm. um ladies it's just an interest of time here can each of you give perhaps a little bit of advice to the audience if they're you know feeling reluctant to re-enter the workforce but they you know the kids are basically halfway out the door they have free time they have interest in working but just don't know what first steps to take
5: I do think that this is about self-confidence as well, too. Um, if you feel like you've been out for a while, there is a lot of different self-confidence issues. But I do think that if, you know, I do think you get so much from working, not just in terms of um, having a life outside of the home and having an identity for yourself. And it's a, um, a way to really slowly rebuild your confidence. Um, and it's just a matter of really by you know taking that first step and saying yes, of course I can do this. I've done this before, and I'm I I can definitely add value um, in, in whichever endeavor I decide to do. And I think any reluctance or. A fear that you may have can easily be overcome by just taking that first step.
2: To take the first step, yeah. What was that movie, A Baby Steps, Jack? <laughs>
6: Remember
2: that one? Baby Steps, one step. <laughs> yeah. 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 What about Bob, yeah. What about Bob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Linda, please, uh, share, I, to I the audience. I
6: completely honesty. agree with what, what Bonnie has to say. Making the decision is the first step. You need to also plan for those supports in the home. If you do still have children at home, how are you going to actually logistically manage going back to work? If you have a clear direction, that's always helpful, but it doesn't mean that it should prevent you from making that first step.
2: And the last buzzword that I've read through repeatedly is a return ship. Mm-hmm. Briefly, can one of you speak to that quickly? Mm-hmm.
6: So there are some companies, and it's, it's mostly in the U.S., but there are some smaller some organizations in Canada that are doing that as well. It's like an internship, so they might offer something for six months where you can go work for an organization where they'll, they'll try you out to see if you are if you would be an effective employee. It's not huge in Canada. It is starting, and, and we're actually having conversations with a few companies right now about doing that.
2: Wonderful. Well, look, yeah, Bonnie Kim, uh, Linda Torrey, you're both mothers. Uh, uh, Bonnie, we're, you're in financial services with CIBC. Linda, you're uh, with the U of T, uh, managing, Manager of Business Development Sales, Initiative for Women in Business. Uh, I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. I want to thank you very kindly for joining us on Hi-Fi Radio and helping uh, the listeners with... Career Development. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure, folks, uh, being with you each and every week. Hi-Fi Radio, happy mummy day. Don't forget, lots of presents, hugs and kisses, and time.
5: Thank
2: you. Thank yes. you very much. Thank you. Uh, I want to wish you all a great weekend. Jack, as always, my pleasure having you in the studio with us uh, on Hi-Fi Radio. Mm-hmm.